Cassidy Padell, aka DJ Cassidy, began DJing at an early age and has DJed for some of the most famous people. He's getting ready to release his debut album, Paradise Royale, this spring. We had a chance to speak with DJ Cassidy recently while he was on the road touring with Robin Thicke. Your interest in music and DJing began very early on. Can you tell me what sparked the desire to want to start DJing? Well, the story really starts when I was nine years old. Uh, I asked my parents for two turntables and a mixer for my birthday, and when I turned 10, I received the greatest gift of my life. I was a hip-hop kid from as far back as I can remember. And at that age, I thought that to fully embrace hip-hop, you had to hate everything else. But my saving grace was that I looked up to Cool Herc, Africa Bambada, and Grandmaster Flash, the three, the three forefathers of hip-hop culture. And as a young kid, I thought that in order to be like my heroes, I needed to play like my heroes. So I started to research what kind of music those guys played when they were starting. And what I realized quickly was that they weren't playing much hip-hop early on because there wasn't much hip-hop early on. So I said, well, what were they playing? And I researched and realized that they were playing all kinds of music. Soul, funk, disco, rock and roll, reggae, Latin music, everything under the sun to create this new culture and this new sound. So I made it my mission as a young kid to be completely undefined and to be the DJ that people would call on to play all music for all people all over the world. And that was my motto and still is my motto today. And I believe that living by that motto was a large part of my success. And when I talk to you about my album, you'll understand how that motto kind of really came, um, you know, full circle. So I'm now 10 years old, and I have two turntables and a mixer, and it's all I do. I DJ in the morning in my bedroom. I DJ after school. I DJ on the weekends. My parents were divorced. I lived with my mom, and my turntables were at my dad's house. And it was really a great reason to go there as much as possible. And I spent a lot of time there. And that was my life. It was my hobby. It was my passion. It was my social life. And I started DJing every possible function, event, and party I could at school. Um, I went to Riverdale, which is a school in the Bronx. And by the time I finished high school, I was essentially DJing at the hottest nightclubs in the city. And that really is what I like to call, in a sense, chapter one of my DJ life. Now, at that point, you really could have skipped college and just focused on that career. Can you talk about your decision to go to NYU and what your experience was like? There was never a moment where I considered uh, not going to college. Um, I often get asked why when my career was really off to an amazing start and in full swing, and really in kind of a unexpected full swing. It wasn't my plan to have a career in this. When you're 10 years old, you're not thinking about money. Um, you're really thinking about impressing your friends and, and having fun. And to be honest, it really was about hip-hop at that early age, taking part in the music and the culture. So there was never a moment I considered not going to college. When I was a senior in high school, my mother really wanted me to have a college experience. And she thought 
that in order to really have a college experience, you needed to leave your hometown. You needed to leave the nest. You needed to move out of mom's house. So we didn't even consider NYU for my freshman year. So I ended up going to GW in Washington, D.C. for my freshman year of college. I went from DJing some of the hottest nightclubs in New York City to essentially begging trap boys to allow me to DJ their party. So my second semester of DW, it became crystal clear that I had to get out of there. So I applied to NYU. I was actually very nervous I wasn't going to get in. Competition was very steep. I'm sure it's only increased. And I was actually uh, very anxious that I was not going to be accepted. But when I got into NYU, I was thrilled, to say the least. And I never looked back. I came back home. I moved back in with my mother. And so began chapter two. <laughs> That's great. So you also DJed while you're going to school at NYU. Yeah, so I began NYU as a sophomore. And I was in a sense, uh, living a double life. I was a full matriculating student um, doing a normal day's worth of classes. I went to the School of Arts and Sciences, and I majored in what I thought was most interesting, and at the end of the day, would help me interact with people better. People always ask me, well, do you think your talent as a DJ comes from your studies in sociology? It's a question that makes uh, you know, a lot of people smirk and kind of, um, you know, laugh like, oh, that didn't help that. But in all honesty, I I think it did. I think at the core of my craft is reading people. Anyway, I'm a sophomore at NYU, and my DJ career is in full swing. I'm now doing the hottest book now. I'm now traveling. I now have a manager, and I've now started to DJ events in the music world and fashion world. One night, I'm DJing at a club on 14th Street. Lotus, it was called. It no longer exists. And it was a slow night at a hot club, which is always the worst kind of night. And then around 3 in the morning, out of the corner of the downstairs room, I see Sean Puffy Combs. And I'm playing all the classic soul records of the 1970s and 1980s. Mm-hmm. And he starts dancing in the center of the dance floor. And he stays there till about 5 in the morning. And around five, when he's leaving, he comes up to me and says, where's the DJ? I say, I'm the DJ. And I was around 18, you know, and I probably looked like I was 12. I always looked very young. And he was very surprised. He looked to be very uh, curious. To write down his number on a napkin that's called me tomorrow. So I remember procrastinating through, um, through, through a few classes, and I end up at Dojo eating lunch where I went almost every day. And I call his cell phone back and I get his voicemail. And he says, God is the greatest, leave a message. Like, okay, that's intimidating. <laughs> so I stammer through a voicemail message and I say, that's the end of that, I'm never hearing that. Well, I go back to class, I get out, son has now said, I go to take the train home. And when I get out the train, I have a voicemail. Hi, I'm calling from Sean Puffy Combs, please call us back in the office. I run home, slam my door, tell my mother to stay out, and I call back the office, and I say, hey, it's DJ, and before I can finish saying my name, he's on the phone. And he says, yo, Playboy, I've never seen a young white boy like you play that kind of soul music before. How do you know all those records? That, that's the music that inspired me and my whole career and my whole life. And he says, I'm doing a party for the MTV Awards next week, and I'd like you to do it. 
Well, a week later, I'm at Tao DJing the hottest MTV Awards party of the year with every celebrity that you've ever heard of in the room, from Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake, Backstreet and NSYNC, to, to Ja Rule, Nelly, Eminem, Christina Aguilera, Russell Simmons. I mean, just everyone who was big at the time. And it was, in many senses, a defining moment of my life and career. And there were many. And I've had the blessing of being able to have many career-defining moments like that. Mm-hmm. There was not one. But that was one that I hold um, very close to my heart. And one that really relates to my time at NYU. Shortly thereafter, I went on to DJ Jennifer Lopez's wedding. I remember getting the call to do that also while I was on campus. And I believe calling them back while I was having lunch in the same place, Dojo. And I went on shortly thereafter to start DJing every party that Jay-Z threw and Beyonce threw. And then I was working for Puffy, J-Lo, Beyonce, Jay-Z. Then I started working for Russell Simmons. Then I started working for Mary J. Blige and L.A. Reid and eventually Pharrell and Kanye and Naomi Campbell and Anna Wintour and Oprah Winfrey to the President of the United States. And a lot of that snowball effect, a lot of those defining moments in my life happened while I was at NYU. Wow, that's incredible. And the music that really inspired you is music that you want to bring back to give to a new generation of people, which is a huge feat. Can you talk about how you were able to do this? Yeah, well, the music that you heard me explain that inspired Puffy to come up to me that night is very much uh, the music that I became known for playing many circles. It led me to be the first DJ to ever play at a presidential inauguration, the first DJ to ever play at a Democratic National Convention, the first DJ to ever play at the White House. But I saw this music affecting not just the president and Puffy and Jay-Z, but everyone around the world, no matter who you were. And um, these songs of this era, the late 1970s and early 1980s, were really the greatest and most universal dance songs ever recorded. And I always wish that young people today would have their own anthems of celebration that sounded like this, that felt like this. Their own songs with their own artists speaking to them and their own anthems for them to define their own generation with and their own night out and their own parties and their own dance floors with. So four years ago, I set on a mission to bring back the greatest dance music of all time, back to the airwaves, back to nightlife, and back to the dance floor. Your debut album, Paradise Royale, is due out this spring. Can you talk about how it came about and how you pulled together all this talent to work on the album? Yeah, well, the first step in this whole process was I sat at my computer and I made a playlist in iTunes of my favorite 25 songs of this era. And... I put them in chronological order, and I saw them all falling between the years of 1978 and 1982, a very specific five-year time span. Some of the artists on this list were Earth, Wind & Fire, Cool the Gang, Sheik, Shaka Khan and Rufus, Michael Jackson, and others. And I said, how do I get my songs to sound and feel like these songs? So then I made a list of every musician who played on every one of the 25 songs drummer, bass player, guitar player, horn player, 25 lists. And when I finished making 25 lists, I saw the same names recurring 
over and over and over. It soon became very clear that the producers and recording artists of the greatest songs of this era were essentially recruiting the same guys, the same session musicians. And these session musicians were the men behind the music. Mm-hmm. I had discovered the architects of the sound. Some came from famous bands, and some were really behind-the-scenes, unsung heroes. And I said to myself, in order to achieve my mission here, it seems I'm going to need to go to the source. I'm going to need to go back to the architects. So over the past four years, I reunited 22 of the most legendary musicians of the late 1970s and early 1980s for the first time in over 30 years in one room to channel their definitive sound with no machines, no samples, no covers, no interpolation. Then I said to myself, I need new voices to bring this music back to a new generation of young people. And these voices not only have to be voices of my generation, but voices of all genres. Not only R&B, but pop, electronic, rock and roll. All voices representing all kinds of young people, all walks of life, coming together under one sound. So over the past four years, I put together the most eclectic roster of renowned recording artists from my generation to write and record original songs to this music. And that list of singers includes Robin Sick and Jesse J on my lead single, Calling All Hearts, and John Legend, Estelle, Kelly Rowland, Melanie Fiona, Mary J. Blige, Chromio, Passion Pit, Neo, CeeLo Green, R. Kelly, and Usher. Wow, that's really amazing story and an amazing feat. And I know I'm looking forward to hearing the entire album when it's released. Thank you very much. I'm excited for you and the rest of the world to finally hear all the music. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you Uh, for having me.